All right. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. Doing the intro without hearing the music in my own head time. Football time in Tennessee time. Guys, it's almost here time. Whatever time of day it is, it's the right time for the Govals 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker, Patrick Brown, Ryan Callahan coming to you here on a, what day is today, guys? Tuesday. Tuesday? Tuesday yeah. afternoon here in Hoover, Alabama, just outside of Birmingham for the annual SEC Football Media Days. Tennessee football coach Jeremy Pruitt and three of his players. Uh, that would be junior quarterback Jarrett Garantano, senior linebacker, Daniel Batuli and senior edge rusher Daryl Taylor joined Pruitt today here in Birmingham to speak about uh, guys a lot of stuff today uh, yeah. a lot of stuff I, I thought this was you know you never know because going into these things we this is the two or three months of the year where we don't hear much from them the coaches are off recruiting spending what little time they can with their families players are in the weight room going home maybe once or twice doing whatever they can maybe if you're Daryl Taylor you do a little bit of a cliff diving well, I don't know if Pruitt knew about that before today but a lot of interesting stuff because we don't hear it for a while. So it's kind of like a torrent of information sometimes comes through here. Um, but I got to tell you guys, highlight of the day for me, Jeremy Pruitt gets 30 minutes on the main stage, spends nearly 22 minutes of it filibustering. Uh, I've, I've seen a lot of things here. Uh, I don't know that I've ever seen that. That's got to be some sort of record. There's, I've seen there's one some, similar. Didn't Ed Orgeron or someone do it a couple years yeah, ago? Ogre, very ogre, similar. Ogre a few years ago did yeah. very similar. Peop, there's people who have made tracking these kinds of things. I don't want to say their job, but something they like to do. Uh, and so uh, that's probably a record. I think the, the total words was over 3,600 words. I mean, he went through, like, the entire coaching staff, uh, just about every position group on the roster, all three guys that he brought here today. Uh, he broke down the roster enough to give a sales pitch to receivers and outside linebackers he, that, hey, we need some help. <laughs> very, very good at that, very subtle yes. at that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's what he, you know, he did that last year. I think he mentioned Wanye uh, uh, Morris' school last year. He mentioned year. Grayson High School last year where Wanye Morris and Owen Pepo and Kenyatta Watson were. He mentioned Charlotte, North Carolina, and he mentioned uh, he mentioned Huntington, West Virginia, Darnell Wright, and Kovarsis Crouch's hometowns, and obviously those worked out well. Those are guys Tennessee ended up getting. But, yeah, he dropped some sales pitches in there today too, but this was an example of uh, – how in-depth he got with his roster breakdown trying so, to the other kill thing time. That, the other thing that surprised me was, I mean, he got like I, – I thought he would get some questions about – you know, he used to coach, coach at Hoover High School. Yeah. I thought he'd get high a couple school, about it. School. I think he got about three of them, and he only took like six questions. So that was a lot of the talk uh, on the podium was, was him talking about uh, his days back at in Hoover. He got a question about Myra Miles, who works on the, on the support staff. You know, he got some – some real insider questions yes. from those days very at Hoover. Specific. Yeah. Very, very specific. Yeah, th- there was a lot of things to get to from today. I think we should probably start running those things down now, some of the major things. Quickly, we will point out that the 30 minutes that you all see when Pruitt's there on the stage, uh, that's not the full story. We There's yeah. like four hours uh, that they go through. There are several rooms. The one that they see or they show that you all see, whether you're, you're watching on whatever channel you're watching on, streaming on the site, whatever you're doing, that's the main room. That's one of like a billion rooms here where they go through. So there's a bunch of stuff to get to. Uh, we will, I guess, start with some of the bigger news of the day. Uh, we wondered, we knew when we spoke with 
Jeremy Pruitt again that we knew we were going to ask about Trey Smith. We knew he was going to have to answer it. And, and I'm not going to read between the lines here too much, guys, but it seemed to me like what Jeremy Pruitt said today was that they are very focused on getting Tennessee's star offensive lineman back onto the field. That That's something that, to me, you heard kind of rumors about it. We've talked to people behind the scenes about this throughout the summer. Uh, but today they kind of had to go out publicly uh, and face bullets and talk about it, and it sounds to me like they're trying to get that done. Yeah, and, and Pruitt came out and said what he's uh, kind of what he said all offseason is that Trey wants to come back and play uh, and that, that he, uh, he and his family and the team doctors are all trying to work through a plan that will allow that to happen. Now, given the nature of his condition, I don't know that it's necessarily guaranteed that he is. I mean, it's, it's a complicated situation, uh, and I think all parties involved understand what's most important, first and foremost, is Trey Smith's health yes. uh, and his long-term future because uh, even though he's a great football player and you know, at one point was destined to make a lot of money playing football, he, he's going to be successful in whatever he does, even if it's football or if it's not football. Um, and so that, that's what's most important is making sure that he's healthy for the rest of his life. Uh, and obviously there's a family history uh, situation yes. with him too that's, that's also something that he and, and his family and his dad are going to have to to decide upon. And, um, and, and so it's not as simple as uh, you know, there's a lot of things they got to work through to figure this out. And so uh, it does sound optimistic. I do think they're behind the scenes. There's optimism that, that he will play this season. Um, but until, until they come out and say he's clear to go, it's tough to say for sure that it's going to happen. But certainly there's, there's a lot of optimism about uh, the, that situation, him potentially playing this ball. The, the one thing you never, you, you continue not to hear in this whole discussion is no or not. There's yes. no discussion of Trey Smith. You know, there's no indication it's not looking like he's not going to play. You don't hear any sign of that. I think the fact that it's even gotten to this point and there's this much optimism tells you they feel pretty good about it and that it's essentially kind of checking all the boxes. You know, we don't know what formalities they have to go through. You know, nothing's a given at this point. Yes. But the fact that it's this much in the discussion a month and a half before the season tells me this is a very real possibility and, and maybe even to the point that we can't rule out he's in the season opening starting lineup. You know, we'll, we'll see. But I mean, the, I'm really surprised. If you told me four or five months ago this was going to play out this way, I would have been very surprised just knowing the seriousness of the diagnosis that he's obviously faced twice in the last year. That, that this is this is surprising, but obviously it's a risk that he and his family have to have to be willing to accept. And if they are, you know, theoretically there's there's no reason he can't go back out there and play. And we we don't know the ins and outs of it, but it's obviously a very real possibility that we have to consider that he he may play this this season for Tennessee. Yeah, if, you, if we had to go back in in time a few months ago, and you had asked me question about Trey Smith I, I think I don't know if I'd call it my standard boilerplate answer but this was sort of what I told people and this is what I had heard was that maybe the best case scenario at that point was that he would take the medical redshirt year that he has available because he has not used one yet he would use that for a full year to keep working out but stay healthy don't have any contact see if they could figure things out with the medication and all that to get him back on the field and then try to come back that next year that a few months ago, I thought that would have been the best case scenario. This is uh, certainly not at this point, but but over the course of the past few months, it's become a pretty surprising development for me. I'm not going to say stunned because we've covered Tennessee for a long time. Is anything really stunning anymore? But I, I think 
the turn of this is is surprising. And I love the answer that Jared Garantano had about this. And, and and we'll talk a little bit more about Garantano later because I thought he had a really, really impressive day today speaking with everyone. It's talking season, not playing season, uh, but I thought he had a really good day. And I loved what he said about Trey Smith. He said, listen, Trey Smith's a great football player, uh, but he's also a great person. He's a great friend of mine. Uh, he's someone that I lived with when I was at Tennessee. Uh, my second year on campus, his first year on campus, we were roommates. Uh, he goes, and I care about Trey Smith, the person. And I want him to come back only if it's right for him to come back. He yep. said, I would love to have him back. He's a great player. He's one of the best in the country. If he's in front of me, yeah, I feel better. Uh, but if he can't play, I'm comfortable with that because I, I know that would be the best thing for him. So I, a lot of mature answers. I'm sure the guys knew they were going to get asked about it. Uh, and I'm not sure if y'all talked to either one of them about it. Mm-hmm. I talked to Daryl Taylor about it. And I spoke with Garantano about it. And they both said the word inspiring. Yeah, and that's you continue to hear that, and, and, and it's good that you that we're hearing that because what as we get closer to the season, naturally the story will become whether he does or doesn't play. And and now the I think the the thing to focus on right now is the fact that he's clearly putting this much effort into trying to play, and that that's got to be inspiring in itself to teammates, whether whether it works out or not. Just the fact that he's going to that to those lengths, uh, and again, that, that's the right approach. It's up to Trey and his family. They want his health first and foremost, but as long as it's not endangering him in any way, I think his teammates obviously would love to see him out there again, and it would be a huge deal for Tennessee with all the help they still could use on the offensive line. They're looking better there this year, but that's a a much better-looking situation if Trey Smith is back this season. Yeah, and I think – we're going we're gonna to tuck two things away for now because we're going to mention these later. We're going to talk about Garantano today, and I think we also need to talk a lot about the offensive line because uh, that was a big subject today, as, as we all knew that, that it would be. Uh, but before that, uh, some more news and notes from today. Uh, I thought it was interesting, again, that Tennessee is still playing the waiting game uh, with both Aubrey Solomon, um, obviously him, uh, and there's a couple guys, D'Angelo Gibbs being the second. Sorry, I was scratching my, my brain there for a second. Those two are guys that, that transferred from Michigan and Georgia, uh, the defensive lineman and kind of the two-way guy, wide receiver DB. Mm-hmm. Both guys who, if they were ruled eligible, would help Tennessee immediately. Uh, in Solomon's case, as a starter, and I think Gibbs would be a factor uh, pretty yeah. quickly on either offense or defense and definitely on special teams. So Tennessee is still playing the waiting game on that. As we've heard all along, uh, and maybe you all have heard differently recently, I've still heard that there's more reason for optimism with Solomon's case yeah. uh, than there is with Gibbs' case. But the fact is, uh, you don't know. That's the NCAA. They're going to get to it when they darn well feel like it, and Tennessee's going to have to accept that. Uh, but I-, I think what was interesting was that Jeremy Pruitt said again today that the way Tennessee practices – that won't matter mm-hmm. whether now if they're eligible to play or not that obviously matters quite a bit on Saturdays sure. in the fall but the way Tennessee does practice now we've mentioned this we don't ad nauseum we don't need to go over it too much but Tennessee three spots and four spots practice and two spots as much as they can so the threes and the fours are getting as many reps as the ones and the twos so that part of it it doesn't to a, matter to a degree it's never to, identical to a yeah. degree but yeah, they, yeah. They, they come much closer 250 yeah. than I have seen before in my career. Yeah. Uh, but was there anything interesting that y'all heard from today on that front? Because I heard that they're still just waiting. Yeah, I, I think it's just a, a waiting game, and, and I think we're all waiting. And Tennessee is too for, for the official word, one way or the other. I think Tennessee mm-hmm. would like to know, but uh, as you pointed out, I don't know that early in camp, it, if it'll change much uh, the way Tennessee practices. I think you'll still see Aubrey Solomon with the ones a lot. You'll still see, still see D'Angelo Gibbs. Uh, maybe with the twos. I, I think there is a little bit of concern about Balin Buchanan. It's something we've mentioned uh, a little bit on the board. He, he didn't do a lot in the spring. 
Um, and, and sort of he's a guy that we're going to be kind of looking for uh, when camp opens up here in a couple weeks. So uh, and Gibbs is a guy that could help at that position, that star position, which is obviously a very uh, important part of, of what this defense wants to do and, and, uh, and, and the way they scheme things up. So, um, but yeah, if you're Tennessee, you would like to have known by now. I mean, we're, we're two weeks away from them starting camp. Um, but you know, you're going to prepare as if you're going to have them. And then if you get closer to the season and you find out you don't have them, then you'll have to, you know, the other guys that, that could potentially play at those positions will still have gotten a lot of reps. So you're still not taking uh, reps away from one guy to give Aubrey Solomon one reps. You're not taking uh, reps away from a guy that could potentially be playing a lot if, if uh, by putting Gibbs with a certain unit. So yeah, guys I think like, that's guys the like point Rod that Garland, Pru- John Menti, they're still going to get yeah, their and, reps. and coaches are wired in a way to always have contingency plans. So and, uh, and, thing, and in this in this staff's case, their contingency plans are we're going to give a, a guys a bunch of guys a lot of reps and, and see how good they are, and they'll improve that way. And another thing, you're going to keep giving guys like Aubrey Solomon the if he deserves first team reps, you're going to give those to him because you want your best guys on offense practicing against your best defensive lines. There are multiple reasons to good, do that. Good on good is the best way yeah. to get better. So even if he's sitting out this year, he'll probably continue to get some first team reps if he's not cleared. Uh, you know, you'd still play Solomon in there some, but you've got to get your game your game lineup ready too. So you got to do a little bit of both. But yeah, I thought that was an interesting point from Jeremy Pruitt today because fans are probably out there wondering, okay, well, it's all right that we don't know now, but we're going to know by the start of preseason practice, right? And I think Jeremy Pruitt's answer today says, maybe not necessarily. I think there's at least a chance this drags on into preseason camp and is becomes more of a source of frustration for fans than it is now. But that's obviously encouraging if you're a Tennessee fan, knowing that, as Jeremy Pruitt said, they can continue on kind of business as usual and it won't affect them in practice if they don't know by the first day of camp. Yeah, and I think there are a couple more interesting things here to get to before we talk about some some of the other stuff that, that I mentioned earlier. Uh, I do think that we need to mention, uh, I had heard Jeremy Pruitt make sort of some similar references to this in the past, but today it definitely, uh, my ears perked up a little bit when I hear him say that, that last year there were two 300-pound players on the entire roster. Yep. And was it either 15 or 17 he said today? Well, I think, he, I think that might have just been the offensive line, just the offensive line. Yeah, the offensive general. line. He said maybe not the whole team. Yeah, two – Two 300-pounders on the offensive line, and now they're 15. Which is about all the scholarship guys they have. Yeah. Maybe they include the 14 some scholarship guys, plus Jarius Abercrombie, who's bigger than maybe all of them. That, that might include some walk-ons. I'll, he didn't say. Yeah, I still no. would have to watch Marcus Tatum stand on a scale and show me that he was 300 pounds if they're claiming that. But, yeah, the bottom line is they, they needed and, to do this, and they're doing we, it. Because we know pl- last year Alexis Johnson was 300 pounds. Shy Tuttle was in that yeah, range. And, and, and he pointed out, too, that just being over 300 pounds doesn't automatically make you a good football player, which is obvious yeah. truth. But um, he, he's always said, I remember from his first – uh, one of his first public appearances at, at those recruiting celebrations is, you know, it was still why all the injuries was still a fresh question. He says, when you play football, a lot of big men are running into each other. And if you have yes. small men, those small guys get hurt. And that's sort of what he was saying. And uh, certainly that's, you know, you, you've seen those guys sort of benefit from having a mandatory, real strength and conditioning program that isn't sort of just there. Yeah, this that, isn't optional. So that, that's been of all the overhauls that, that Jeremy Pruitt has made with the Tennessee football program, uh, that to me stands as perhaps paramount to the whole thing is the sort of the, the recommitment to getting big, strong football players. And, and again, that that's not that I, I've been pretty hard on Butch Jones in the past, and I I, I stand by that. But it, it's not like they were sitting there previously, you know, throwing rocks at a wall in, in the summer. You know, they they were they had a strength and conditioning program. It's just that now. You're seeing more. There's an intensity to it. it. Yeah. Yes, and you're seeing real 
tangible results from it too. Some of these guys uh, that I've seen walking around campus in the summer, you can't tell. They are getting bigger. Some of these guys have, have gotten bigger, and I think that's something Tennessee needs to do. And, and Pruitt said this too. We can kind of blend this into the offensive line talk. That Pruitt said last year the offensive line obviously was not very good. Now, he doesn't like going out and criticizing people, but uh, I think he's also pretty matter-of-fact, and the, the, the film speaks for itself. Tennessee's offensive line, especially after Kennedy and Smith were gone last year, was not good. And he said a lot today, I think this is the first time I'd heard him say it, that a lot of that wasn't their fault. You know, he kind of had that Goodwill hunting moment, like, it's not your fault, it's not your fault. He said that these guys, some of them were 260, 270 pounds. And if you're going to play in the SEC on the offensive line at that size, you're going to get mauled sometimes. And, and I think that was important because I think they're trying to build a bridge into kind of a more confident era. And I think it's important for him to get that message out that, hey, guys, last season was last season. That wasn't your fault. You're bigger now. Let's go get him this time. Yeah, and, and I, I think you made a good point that the, the strength conditioning program was arguably one of the biggest areas they needed to overhaul the most. Yes. Um, and, and like you said, you know, just being 300 pounds doesn't make you a good football player, but some of these guys will, will now be able to hold up better um, on the offensive line. And, and that's obviously uh, – and that's not to say that you can't take a, a Marcus Tatum who's 250, 260 coming out of high school and turn them into quality offensive linemen. I think some of the guys that were early-round draft picks and first-round draft yes, picks in this past that draft was a big yeah, were small guys that, that, that grew – um, but those guys had adequate and beneficial strength and conditioning programs, and Tennessee hadn't. And now this, you know, in this particular class, you look at Wanya Morris, you look at Darnell Wright, those are guys that had to come in and slim down a little bit. And Pruitt's talked about that with Wanya. They trimmed about 10 pounds off of him. Uh, I think they've done about a similar thing with Darnell Wright this summer. I think he, uh, he told me back in May he was around 330, figured he would drop 10 pounds pretty quickly. I heard that's been the case. He's listed around 320. I think that's pretty close to accurate. So you're taking guys that were – you used to take guys who had to bulk up 40 pounds. And now you need you guys that you're bringing in guys that are big bodies that you have to slim down and get them in, in, into better shape now. So that's an excellent think, point on Wanye Morris because in the spring you could you could look at him and see that he needed to change his body. Yeah, shape. And, and and you know those guys come in with some baby fat. You know they don't have a nutrition plan sure. that's monitoring every you know calorie they take in. Um, but then another example of it doesn't necessarily matter is Cooper Mays. Everybody, you know we, we've talked about his weight being little on the lighter side but it's 275 yeah but but nobody's yeah. worried you know once he gets in a program he'll be 295 300 yeah. within the first few months that he's on campus so um but yeah I, I think he he knows that that's an area that the offensive line uh and, and you made a good point to us that that they're trying to build confidence with that group they're trying to build confidence with this whole team uh, and i think that you know that time this time of year is very important for that and, and certainly this is uh that's a group that you want to have feeling good about itself going into camp going into the season yeah, and I think that there is some, some important stuff to, to get to there, and, and we will get to that. We'll be right back in just one second. Going to take a quick break, step away. We'll be right back. we got a lot more to talk about, guys. Uh, we got Jared Garantano to talk about. we got some defensive line to talk about, and I think it's one of the biggest things today that, that we've teased a little bit. I, I think confidence is a big thing to talk about. Uh, that was a big thing that I got from these guys today. So we're going to step away one, one second, be right back. But before we do that, I have a question. Do you guys like products? Yeah. Do you like I, do you like services? I love services. Do, do you like some some the occasional in-house ad that tells you maybe about another podcast in the CBS network that you hadn't heard about before? Sure. Yeah. Then I have great news for you guys. Hashtag ad. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. And we're back. Good break, guys. I enjoyed it. I went up. I got refill of Dr. Pepper. I do need to Official give a shout sponsor out. of the SEC. Yeah, I need to give a shout out to uh, to Grant Ramey, uh, our, our I don't want to say beloved coworker. Let's just say coworker. Uh, so we had three microphones here. So someone had to sit out, and he gladly did that because if anyone knows anything about Ramey, it's that if he does not have to speak, he will not. Yeah, uh, that's sort of a general rule. I think and, I think he went and found the uh, the gym here at the Winfrey. Yeah, he went he went to get a lift in. Probably you know, he he's worked, hoisting right now. He did. Yeah, he's hoisting. He he, he did. You know, you got to. It, it maybe it's leg day. You know, uh, he's got to get it's that, always that leg stuff day for in. Great Ramey. And I'll tell you, I'm going to give a shout out to him because he did bring uh, coffee by just now. So yeah. uh, he is now uh, wears a lot of hats at Go Balls 24/7. He's doing the, the obviously the basketball beat writer, the best around, does a great job for us there. Covers basketball recruiting really, really well. Uh, has helped us a ton with football recruiting coverage too. Uh, does football team stuff also. And now he's also a coffee boy. So congratulations Oof. to Grant Ramey. He has he has really made his way up in the world. And he we takes par- one for the team. He sits out the podcast, and then he's reduced to getting you coffee. Well, no, I, I was telling Pat that it's funny that, that Ramey and I travel so much together during basketball season that we sort of, regardless of whatever big box coffee place you're going to, we know the other's order there. And so it's just kind of it's, it's, it's basketball stuff, man. You travel a lot. It is what it is. Getting back to what we were talking about earlier, I think this this was important, the confidence factor with this team. And I think that that was by far the biggest thing that I took away from Jeremy Pruitt today in terms of the overall just sort of mood, the, the tenor, the feel of this thing. Uh, because he said today, and it's, it's not unusual for a coach to come into this kind of setting and say he's really excited about this team and really excited about all this. I think it is news when Jeremy Pruitt says these things because he did not say that a ton last year. Yeah. He really did not. If we go back and listen, look at but, it, I don't know that he ever said, like, super excited to go do this, yada, yada. I got a different vibe from him today. Well, well, I mean, today he openly admitted that when he had to pick players to come to this event last year, he didn't know who to pick. Yes. And, and he said that last season he got so inundated with the things that you need to do as a first-year coach. You know, you need to make sure that your weight program is, is where it needs to be, your strength conditioning program. You know, you know, are meetings set up the way you want them to be? Uh, have you met with all the academic people on campus? The, you know, do you have a recruiting roadmap in place? There are so many things you have to do as a, as a first-time head coach. And anytime you're a first-year head coach in any program, that he said because of that, he really wanted to kind of change the culture at Tennessee. And by doing that, you don't spend a lot of time getting to know your guys. You watch them play, you know, you get to know a few of them here or there. But by and large, that was not his priority last season. He wanted to evaluate what he had. And he said now that 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 season's over with, he was able to kind of sit down, okay, these guys are with me, these guys are not. These guys who are with me, they're going to stick around here, we're going to get them bigger and stronger, we're going to do this thing together, and we're going to go win some football games. And he has a – I think he has a genuinely different relationship with a lot of the guys on the team now because yeah. all three players today said that. And I think that, that, that to me, means that that's, that's definitely a thing. I, I think so, too. And I, I, I don't know. I, I thought there were just – it was overall just interesting the way they 
kind of presented things today. I think Jeremy Pruitt, I mean, sure, maybe like a lot of coaches, he didn't want to take a lot of questions today, but I think there was another purpose to what he was doing with his sort of filibuster to start his his opening statement of I was waiting for minutes. him to start reading Green Eggs and Ham. I mean, he was doing everything else. Yeah. I, I mean, I kind of took it as another sign. I, I think it was Jeremy Pruitt kind of selling – like, here's all the things we have going for us now. I think he was laying out, look, here's our staff. Our staff, as he kind of said, is the number one thing they're selling right now. And I think he wanted to go kind of good product. Kind of step by step through his staff and show everyone, look who we've got. T. Martin, Jim Chaney, Derek Ainsley. These are some good coaches on our staff. This is the main thing we're selling. I think he wanted to kind of lay out everything they have going for them. So I don't think he was just killing time. I think he legitimately feels like he has a program that's much more in place now than he did a year ago, and you saw that in the way he talked, and more importantly, like you said, in how the players talk. I, I didn't get the, I don't know that it's confidence in the sense that this team feels like it's going to go out and shock the world and win nine or ten games this year right. and anything like that, but I think there's, there's just much more confidence now in the overall direction of things that regardless of how many wins they get this year, that this is going to be on the right track, that it's they're not expecting to fall flat on their faces. They're not thinking about that possibility at all. But yeah. I think whether it's six wins, seven wins, eight wins, they're going to feel better about the program. They already do because of sort of what's happened this offseason. I think you can kind of tell that behind the scenes, things are much more in place. And, and like you said, there's a better relationship between the coaches and the players. Yes. Everything's just in a healthier spot now. And that's, that's natural for year two. But I think especially in this case, I can tell a big difference in just how everyone's kind of carrying themselves, including Jeremy Pruitt. Yeah, and we've heard some of that talk maybe back in the spring, too, about, you know, is Pruitt more relaxed? Is he more calm? Uh, and I think Derek Garantano said it best today. He said, we'll see in a couple of weeks when they actually start practicing. Yeah. He did say there were um, two Jeremy Pruitts. Yeah, and, and certainly, uh, and, and we'll get some more on, on the dynamic that's changed between Pruitt and Garantano because I yes. think maybe that's the best example of how things are different now yep. compared to this time um, a, a year ago. But certainly, you know, Daniel Batuli, Daryl Taylor, they both talked about it like, they now have a better understanding of, of what they need to do on a daily basis. They now have a better understanding of uh, what they need to do within the, their roles in the defense. Um, and they're able to kind of help the new guys that are still new to it. Uh, the summer enrollees, the freshmen, those guys coming in, help them hit the ground running too. And, and something that Batuli said to me is, um, he said that a lot of these guys have, have come in and there's a lot of leaders among, among the new guys. A lot of guys that sort of have that, I don't say alpha personality because that's an overused term, but uh, they're not, th those guys haven't come in and, and been lagging behind. They've been sort of uh, sticking around and, and, and keeping pace. And so, um, yeah, I think, you know, there's always reason for optimism this time of year. Everybody's zero and zero. Last season's old news. Um, but I think there are legitimate reasons um, for Jeremy Pruitt to, to be confident in the staff that he's hired. He's got two coordinators now that, that uh, he knows he can trust. He knows he can let Jim Chaney run the show on offense. And he knows that uh, Derek Ansley and him are very similar and, and can – uh, he likes to say they finish each other's sentences. Yeah. Um, but certainly, if anybody, I don't think anybody knows Jeremy Pruitt better than Derek Ansley. So that's why he's – there's probably only one or two guys that he could really say, I'm going to hand you the, the reins to call the plays for my defense, and Derek Ansley's one of those guys. So uh, with him being able to trust those coordinators to do their jobs, he can maybe be a little bit more of the CEO head coach, whereas last year when you're trying to establish a program, when you're trying to build a culture, you feel like you've got to do it all at once. I thought it was by yourself. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting, too, to hear Jeremy Pruitt, when asked about Derek Ansley, kind of selling that move and how much it can help him. You know, we had heard him before kind of say, yeah, he's going to be calling the defense, you know, talking about Derek Ansley. Yes, and, and, yes. And, 
and all of us have kind of said, you know, we'll, we'll, let's see. Let's see how things go. If they struggle on defense at the end of the day, will Jeremy Pruitt sort of take back the reins and call plays himself? But he laid out today a pretty, a pretty convincing case for why he thinks it's better this way. And he said, hey, look, when you're calling defensive plays, you're, you're going back after each drive and you're looking at what the offense is doing and you're looking at your play calls and you're picking up on tendencies and things like that. And when you're the head coach, you don't have time to go do that between drives. So, I mean, he laid out a pretty clear case for why things are better this way, and that certainly didn't sound like a head coach who's considering you know, or on the fence about calling plays some. He made it sound like this is going to be Derek Ainsley's defense. If there were any questions about that still, I thought that was a pretty interesting answer. You know, Pruitt said, Pruitt said three things, uh, two or three things in the course of one minute uh, in one of the side rooms that I was in that really kind of got my attention quickly. Uh, he said point blank, and he sort of alluded to this before, but he said point blank today that there were some guys in this program, in this Tennessee program, who he did not necessarily expect much from after what he saw the first few months he was on campus. He said you never want to discount someone, but he saw some of those guys and said we're not going to be able to win as much as we want to win in this program with these guys. And he said to their credit, a significant chunk of those guys have started to become more like those players. And he said that is why, and this is the other thing he said that was really interesting to me, he said that he's been a coach since 1997. He hung up the spikes, I believe, then and became a coach. And since then, he has never, never gone into a camp as excited about a team as he is about this one. And he said that's not a reflection of that he thinks this team's going to go undefeated or win a championship or anything like that. He's just excited because of where these guys were last year and where they are now. And he said it's because of how hard they work every day, and he enjoys being around these guys that much. That, that to me, was one of the most poignant quotes of the day. And that's something that you never in a million years would have heard Jeremy Pruitt say last year. So that, that to me, is an indication that he does feel better about these guys. Because he said there's a lot of them. He just didn't think whether it was physically or, or, or kind of mentally or, or just skill-wise, they had what it took for Tennessee to get where it wanted to get. Yeah. Uh, but he said they're a lot closer now than they were then, and he's excited about that. Uh, and one of the biggest reasons for that is something we definitely need to talk about uh, today, which is the, Jared Garantano's performance today. We've always, or at least I, I'm speaking for myself here, but I think we're, we all agree with this. He has always been impressive when he comes out and speaks. Yeah. Uh, which is why it was so interesting that they hit him from reporters for so much of last year because he's a really good voice uh, for for the team and for the program. Um, but he had a command of the room today uh, that was impressive to me. Uh, that's what a fourth-year junior quarterback should sound like, and that's what he was today. Uh, I really was impressed with the way he carried himself, the honesty he had in his answers. He also said, full stop, that Tennessee's players owe the fans an apology for the way the past couple of years have gone and that he he knows that they didn't come to, to Tennessee to play like that and Tennessee fans don't come to Neyland Stadium to watch Tennessee play like that. So he has a command of things now that, and I'm going to write my column about that for one of my, one of my columns from, from, from this uh, that I'm going to work on when we get done with this stuff it is how different it seems now with him because he's not looking over his shoulder anymore. Yeah, He's not even peeking back there. This is his team if he's healthy. He knows that, and he's comfortable with that role. And, and Jeremy Pruitt, you know, not that he has much of a choice this year, but he came out today and said something he never said last year going into the season. Asked why he brought Jared Garantano to media days. He said, he's our quarterback. And that's something that 
I mean, Jared Garantano didn't get to hear that really even during the season. No. He sort of shied away from any statement that that's our quarterback, yes. even though it was obvious to anyone who was watching the games. So the fact that he's hearing that now has got to be a confidence boost for him. And for Garantano, I couldn't help but think, you know, I, we've known him, I mean, having, having covered him in the program for four years, having covered him as a recruit for a couple years, we've gotten to know him pretty well over the past six years. Yeah. This having the opportunity to be quarterback at Tennessee means a lot to him. It, it, it's not just the, you know, playing on the biggest stage possible. He, he embraces everything about what it means to be sort of the face of the program. And today he got to live that, I think for the first time in a way that he never really had before. And you could tell he really sort of relished the moment, but all, I mean, but also not in a way that that may, that might sound like he was sort of full of himself and enjoying the attention. It wasn't anything like that. He just, I think he was happy to speak for the program and for his teammates and just to sort of carry himself in a mature way. I, th- I thought he handled himself really well, like you said, commanded the room and, and said some really good things. He's always kind of, I think, done a good job of blending emotion and genuine answers with representing the program the way a school wants him to. You know, schools are always afraid for players to show much personality, to say anything controversial. He does a good job of not doing that, but also giving us kind of the authenticity that we're looking for in answers and and he he said some revealing things today without you know embarrassing anyone or, or correct representing the program badly i thought he did a great job and 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 it, and it just everything he says you know again we'll see it on the field but everything he says sort of lends itself to thinking if you're looking at garantano as a guy who could maybe have a breakout kind of year or a really good year certainly the way he carries himself backs up that thought at least yeah and and, and i think you said it best wes he carried himself like a guy who's ready to be the face of a program. And, and this, yes. this program right now doesn't really have a face. They don't really have that, that standout player, that guy that, that Correct. can also you know, kind of talk the talk, but also walk the walk and put a team on his back. And that's something that, uh, of all the things that Jeremy Pruitt didn't say about Jared Garantano last year, something he said repeatedly was uh, how important it was for him to kind of be an influencer and, and impact other guys. Um, and you kind of you mentioned it too, Ryan. Him being honest and revealing some things, uh, he did tell a story about kind of how uh, where he and, and Pruitt kind of change the tenor and turn the corner in their relationship is back in February uh, when Pruitt had uh, Jarrett and his girlfriend over to his house, uh, and he had dinner with the two of them and, and with Casey Pru, uh, Pruitt's wife, who uh, made some blueberry cobbler. Garrett, you know, Garantano said it sort of. I don't say blue is mine, but he said it was something Southern. He's a New Jersey guy. Yeah. He's an Italian. He likes his pasta, but there was some blueberry cobbler that apparently they had for dinner, not dessert, um, and, and they just sort of had a heart-to-heart talk about life and football, and, and Garantano said that that's sort of where they started seeing eye-to-eye. Garantano said he, you know, he now knows what Perut wants to do with this program and where he wants to take it, and uh, and, you know, that's obviously a very important relationship in a football program is, is a quarterback and his head coach because, uh, you know, the quarterback's got to be sort of that extension of the coaching staff on the field. He's got to be the guy that sort of runs the show. And that's another thing that, that Jared talked about a lot today was this offense now, he's going to be in charge of it. Like he's, he's maybe calling some plays at the line, checking out of, in and out of plays. He's going to be calling protections. Full uh, command is what he said. Yeah, full, full command. And he made it sound like he had zero command last year. and Which and, was basically uh, the case. And, and so, but – yeah, I, I think you know he's obviously got a lot of detractors, and I think that's uh, an overly simplistic view of Tennessee's issues uh, is putting it all on him. He has not gotten very – he's not been dealt a good hand with all the coaching changes, four coordinators and four position coaches in four years. Uh, the offensive line issues, he's been the 
uh, those have bothered him, you know, those have affected him the most because he's, he's been on his back. He's had yeah. the crap kicked out of him. Yeah, and, and he's talked, he talked today about how, uh, you know, he admitted that he envisioned his career at Tennessee going a lot differently and, and admitting to some early frustrations, and I think we all uh, understand and, and know where that's coming from. But, uh, and Ryan, you touched on this. This guy wants to be really good. Mm-hmm. He understands what it means to be Tennessee's quarterback, and he wants nothing better than to be uh, among those guys, Peyton Manning, Josh Dobbs, T. Martin. Uh, he's, he's developed a pretty close relationship with Peyton Manning. He, they talk every three or four weeks, weeks or so. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and Jarrett knows that he can always text Peyton, and, and Peyton will reply to him and give him some pointers. And I think he's adopted some of Peyton's off-season film study methods about going back and watching each interception, watching each sack. Uh, and it looks like he's devote, you know, become a, a film room, living in the film room. Jim Ratz, what Jeremy Pruitt called him today. So uh, I don't want to say a, a big change in him, but certainly a different version of Jared Garantano. And if you're a Tennessee fan, regardless of what you think of him as a quarterback, uh, you have to be excited and proud of the way that he represented your football program this afternoon. Yeah, I, I got a lot of respect for guys who have kind of been through the muck a little bit. And I think Garantano admitted that today, that he said that, and this is important, that, that – you know, you go to a place and, and you're this big prospect and your recruitment's a big deal and you go somewhere, uh, but then you taste a little bit of failure. And, and he hadn't done that before. And he had to deal with the criticism. And he said that it, it was kind of stunning to him at first, you know, kind of the realization of what happens. There are consequences when you don't play well or, or, or when your team doesn't play well. You're the quarterback at a place like Tennessee. You're going to hear it. And he knows that. And you know, it's one thing for someone to say that. I, I think he's been through it now, and there's kind of a genuine feel that you get from talking to him when he speaks about that. Uh, and again, this is talking season, not playing season. But I, I, I'm really impressed with the way he handled things and the way that he said that, that going through what he's been through uh, ha- has helped him a lot. And I, I think I, I, sometimes people say that, and you go, eh, I, I believed it when he said it. Uh, I, I think yeah. that proof's in the pudding with how he plays, but uh, I, I think he could. I'm more optimistic about him than I had been before because I I just love the way the kid carries himself. Well, and, yeah, I I think he's always carried himself pretty well, but, yeah, I I think he's clearly more confident in everything he's doing. I mean, the things he talked about going back and looking out on film and, you know, going back and looking at at his interceptions from last year, all his mistakes, you know, those are the kinds of things quarterbacks are supposed to do. But I – I get the impression he really is learning from what he did wrong last year. He talked about, you know, needing to process things faster on the field. All the things that are, are pretty apparent to everyone that watched him last year, he knows he needs to get better in them. He's, a, he's self-aware enough to admit those flaws. I don't think you heard a lot of that from him early in his career in, in some ways. I think you, you heard him kind of focus on his strengths a little bit more than his weaknesses. I think now he knows his bra- weaknesses. A little brash. Yeah, and, and, now he's, and now he's aware enough of them to point, at, to, point to them and say, I'm, I'm working on them. I'm trying to get better. And he knows it's a big year for him. He's got a chance to maybe even go to the NFL draft early if things go well enough for him. We'll see about that. But I think he's always viewed himself as a guy who wouldn't have to spend five years in college. We'll see how this year's goes. He's, it's a big opportunity for him. If he can build on what he did last year, he knows there's a lot, a lot there for him. And, and one other thing that's sort of related to Garantano, but but not, he he pointed out Jim Chaney, what this offense is doing. And we've heard a little bit about big that plot line today. But yeah, the fact that he, you know, he he sounded very confident in the way Jim Chaney wants to use him. He said he can tell a difference in how this offense is attack going to be attacking defenses. He's like, we'll see when we get into the season. They haven't game planned for anybody yet, but. He sees an offense that is attacking some different areas and in some different ways from what they did last year. He sounded pretty excited. And this is a guy who's played for a few different coordinators throughout his career, yes. so I don't take that lightly. This is a guy who's seen a few different systems and different tweaks 
and, and now he's playing for a different guy that I think he's really excited about going into year four. He did confirm uh, today uh, in one of the rooms, I forget which, which one he was in at the time, but he did confirm that he spends more time with Cheney than he has with any other coordinator or position coach yeah. you know, that, he's, that he's ever had. And, and we should say, again, that Chris Winkie is his position coach, uh, mm-hmm. but Jim Cheney is the offensive coordinator, and we all know OCs and quarterbacks need to be on the same page. And he talked about how much film they watch together and that he he just he was not going to throw anyone else under the bus. He really wasn't. Uh, and I think Tyson Helton was as much just a bad fit as more than being a bad coach. I think maybe just he and Pruitt weren't the right fit at the right time, and they had different ideas about things. But you can tell that Garantano has responded to this change and how excited he is. He talks about watching film with Cheney. He talks about talking about life with Jim Cheney. Uh, and he said that at the end of the day, Coach Cheney is just a fun guy to be around, is what yeah. he said. He said, now we'll see if I throw some interceptions and he's chewing me out if I say the same thing. But he said he just he has a trust for the guy, and he thinks the guy trusts him. He wants to know, Jarrett, what do you think about this? Jer- JG, what do you think about this? You know, w- Tell me what you do well and what you don't do well, and then we'll watch film, and we're going to figure out, we're going to tailor this thing to you. And that's we've always heard that about Jim Cheney. The best thing he does is he adapts the way he teaches to different players. He understands players. He understands people. And I think you could see that, uh, again, with the way Garantano spoke about him today. Before we get out of here, though, we should mention a couple other things. Uh, there were a couple other players here today. Daniel Batuli yeah. and, and Daryl Taylor, uh, you know, as a— uh, Some important did, players. Did, did he whoop that freaking tailbone today, <laughs> Daryl Taylor? Uh, you know, so is that we, it's the only way he, we can say it on the family podcast, He, he didn't—I right? don't think he ever addressed that hashtag. Of course, it, it was three years ago. So, yeah. if they had if they had done a little cutaway where like the three guys are having their meeting before they go out and talk to the media, and he's walking through the tunnel, and he had said that again, that that would have been social media gold uh, if he had done uh, that. Apparently, he talked about diving off cliffs. Yes, he and his girlfriend. Uh, there's a spot, and everyone, anyone who's really knows Knoxville knows this spot. It's just across the, the river from campus. There's that spot where you can go back there behind some of those apartments there and do a little bit of cliff diving if you're into that. I'm not sure Jeremy Pruitt knew that Daryl Taylor and his girlfriend loved doing that so much. Uh, but yeah, that, that's what Daryl Taylor, when he got away this summer, he enjoyed that. Uh, but Daryl Taylor did say he was up to, I think he says he's trying to play at 260 this season. Yeah, he says he's 259 right now. Yeah, and he says he wants to because he played about 252, 253 last season. He's gotten bigger. Uh, he said the NFL told him he needed to uh, kind of add to his spin, you know his collection of pass rushing moves the NFL told him he didn't have enough moves to get that going so they're trying to work on that that was one big thing uh, that I got away from from Daryl Taylor today and also the fact that this is the second year in the defense he and Batuli both said that they said everyone understands the defense to a level that they don't have to spend time going over the basics anymore they can talk about really the ins and outs of this defense they can talk about more specific things instead of just sitting there at the most basic level saying how do we line up they're not doing that anymore and they're being able to grow as players as a result I uh, yeah I, I don't have a whole lot to add there uh, I didn't hear you all that well we're, in the, <laughs> yeah. we're on Radio Row and uh, there's a lot of there's, there's an Alabama radio station next to me and they're very loud and I can't, yeah. so I can't hear Wes very well yeah but uh, but yeah that <laughs> You know, Batuli and Taylor, I, I mean, though they were both guys that, you know, they were very careful not to say anything they weren't supposed to say, especially Batuli. I thought, you know, you, you get that you know, from at least one or two guys each year among each team's contingent. But, but I thought he, he did a good job, represented himself well. But uh, but Taylor, you know, Taylor was probably a little bit more revealing in some ways. But, yeah, a, a lot of talk from him about his, uh, you know, inconsistency last year, which Jeremy Pruitt noted he had, 
I believe what nine sacks in three games, and over the over the other eight games, in three games, eight, eight in three games, and then and then the rest of them only uh, did he have any sacks in the other nine games? Uh, he had one they, against Vanderbilt. Yeah, one. So so yeah, so a lot, obviously some ups and downs, and he admitted that's from his inconsistencies as much as anything. You know, his technique, all that. He's got to get better. Uh, so he. He seems like a, like a guy pretty focused. You know, we, we've we, you hear that all the time. Guys going into their final year, you know, a different switch comes on. I think uh, knowing that the NFL is right around the corner, knowing it's their last year, their last chance to make an impression. But but I really get the impression Daryl Taylor has taken things to another level with his preparation, his focus, his drive. I, I think that's a very good sign for Tennessee. I I would be pretty surprised if he didn't at least you know match, if not improve on his production from last year, and maybe do it a little more consistently. But he. He certainly seems like a guy who who knows what he has to do. Has finally gotten there. Feels good about where he is physically. Everything's sort of lined up for him to have a good year. Yeah, and he's another guy that uh, that I've heard. I don't want to say taking it to another level, but uh, and Chris Rump said this back in the spring. When you're going into your final year, it's it's a contract year. I mean, you're you're playing with money on the line. Uh, and I think I think Taylor probably could have gone in the NFL draft this past year and probably been drafted. Um, but he he I think he knew he was not quite ready for the next level and so this is his chance to go and, and make himself some money and same thing with Daniel Batuli I mean uh, both these guys have shown flashes of being playmakers defensively and, and difference makers and guys that uh, impact games and um, you know they need to take it to another level though if they're going to you know continue playing uh, football at the next level and if they're going to help Tennessee uh, take strides defensively and go from being a, a solid defense to uh, a, a great to even elite defense. You know they're not they're not there yet. They're still, uh, I think, a couple of recruiting classes away. They've got some pieces that are really good, but um, and, and those are two guys that Tennessee needs to be leaders and uh, and needs to be productive this season. And, and in Batuli's case, I think he has to sort of be the, that extension of the coaching staff and and be the guy that gets uh, make sure that every that uh, a play necessarily isn't doomed before the start. If everybody's lined up and ready to go, and and that's his role. Um, then he needs to, you know, that's something that I think he'll he'll be much more comfortable in this season. Another thing that caught my attention from Jeremy Pruitt's opening statement that covered most of his time in the main room, as he broke down the, his, his the, opus. Yeah, as as he broke down the roster position by position, I thought it was in some ways very revealing about what he th- kind of thinks about each position, um, because he had good things to say about Dominic Wood Anderson. He said the wide receivers. You know, probably yeah. ought to be one of the strengths of this team. What did he say about Wood Anderson? He said he said six five two seventy running a four six forty. Runs a four six forty. Yeah, that's they, pretty ridiculous. If, said, that, if, if that's all accurate, yeah, that's absurd. Said he should be a playmaker and that they've got to find ways to get the ball in his hand. So a lot of those things are revealing on defense. If you're looking for the reason that you're probably going to hear us as a staff, you know, I can't speak for you guys, but I know fans out there who are wanting to kind of get on the nine and three train wondering why we might be pumping the brakes in the coming weeks. What he said about the defense, I think, is the reason why. What he said about the defensive line. We've also got battered ball beat rider syndrome. Sure, we do. We've covered a lot of mediocre to bad football. Fool me ten times, and I'm going to figure that out. That's right. right. But he but he, he mentioned the, the defensive line. Well, obviously, we knew they lost all three starters. They, they returned one junior and one senior. So think about that. They'll have some veterans on that line this year, but it's because they're bringing in two junior college guys in Darrell Middleton and Savion Williams. Without those guys, they have two upperclassmen, essentially, that have any experience. And they're replacing not stars, but productive players. Yes, and I thought also revealing was that he's, as he kind of listed the, the positions, he sort of just rattled them off. He said, Oh, in the secondary, we pretty we bring back all those guys. Forgetting for a minute that they lost Micah Abernathy, but 
I think that shows some comfort level in what they have coming back in the secondary. I thought that was interesting that he sort of almost glossed over the secondary. And between he and Angela, you know darn well they know what they're doing in yeah. the secondary. So if he says that, he means that. So I, I'm not saying he thinks the secondary is all world. I'm no, I think he would love to have some better players back there than what they have depth-wise especially. But that, that showed an interesting level of comfort with that group that we, we definitely never saw last year. So I think they clearly feel a lot better about the back end than the front end of that defense. I think there might have been some Jeremy Pruitt math at the defensive line because there's definitely a couple of juniors there. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, well, Blakely's a junior. They're, they're I think, paying him to win football games. I think Bumpus is a junior, but yeah. Yeah, those guys have played. But see, those are guys that have kind of bounced those are guys around on offense last year. So yeah. uh, he may not be factoring those guys in. But he also, I, I guess the junior he's counting is Matthew Butler. Yeah. And he, Gooden. He, those are probably the two guys that have, that have played the most out of the guys that got coming back. And, and, and then Gooden's the senior who has yeah, been, been the, senior, the program yeah. for one year. So that's not a lot. So. But the bottom line is not a lot of experience at that position, and that's obviously the number one concern about that and, defense. And he did say that he likes the talent level there, but he just doesn't like the, the, the lack of experience. And yeah. I think it was interesting that he said he thinks they have good talent there, which which that would be surprising to maybe to some people because I don't think you see uh, from the outside looking in, you don't see a lot of potential you know first couple day draft picks on uh, in that group at least that are in the upperclassmen ranks. So so I think that's interesting to hear him be that optimistic about the defensive line because that's. I kind of thought he would have taken a more wait-and-see approach. Yeah, and I, I'll be interested in seeing how this year plays out with this too, but I, you touched on it there. A little bit more of an optimistic tone from Jeremy Pruitt. Last year he was very much a taking a wait-and-see approach or not giving any unwarranted praise. This year we'll see. Will he try to build guys up a little bit more? Is that one of the adjustments he maybe makes from year one? Or is he just calling it like he sees it and he really does see some better things from this team? I think you've got to do some of that as a head coach. You've got to try to instill some confidence from time to time. Will we see him do a little bit more of that and sort of put some faith in his players that, hey, they can take a step forward if I show I believe in them? A couple more things before we step out of here. We're, we're, we're I don't want to say running out of time, but, but we're going to try to wrap this up here because I don't know if y'all can hear us as well as you normally can because we're, we're dealing with Radio Row here uh, at SC Media Days. Uh, but I, I think a, a couple of interesting news and notes. If there's anything else that y'all heard from the players today, this would be a dynamite time to, to drop it in. But I, I, I'm not going to go a whole podcast without saying this. Uh, Daniel Batuli's uh, get up today was fantastic. It was. That was a that was a well dressed man right well there, dressed. ladies and gentlemen. That guy, he he might be in contention, and you heard some of the other reporters say it might be in contention for best dressed here. Uh, That's what so he was going far. for. He, yeah, he openly it, said he was hoping for that. I did not know he was that stylish. That was that that was impressive. That was a really nice. Uh, I was a little bit surprised. Pruitt went with the uh, the the brown the on tan. orange. Yeah. The the shout out to Freddie Kitchens. I think his good friend there, the the coach of the Cleveland Browns. Uh, he was looked like his Cleveland Browns get up that Pruitt had on today. Um, but I thought there were a couple other interesting things. Uh, I did mention about the defense. I think that's important. The fact that they know this. This is their second year there. Uh, and if you're wondering why we're not talking about a depth chart, why we're not talking about guys who have really stood out in preseason workouts or summer workouts it's because if you know anything about this program in the past two years they don't do that anymore they don't talk about specific players uh the other guys that they're pretty much coached to to speak about the team and to speak about position groups they don't do a lot of talking about oh which newcomers have been impressive in the way they were room. very disciplined on that today they, they, they keep their discipline on that front they're told to not talk about that much and, and they don't do it so uh, they keep it about the team so that's why we're gonna have to wait and see some of that stuff uh when camp starts here in just a couple of weeks but uh i thought it was more kind of about the collective than the individual today uh, but I, I, I liked a lot of what I heard. want to give a shout-out to Daryl Taylor for his cliff diving. 
uh, that, yeah. that was that was interesting. Uh, I didn't know again that, that he was doing that. He's done it with Kavaris Crouch apparently a couple of times. He said Crouch has done a 40-foot a cliff, but not the 61. Jared uh, Thomas said he only did 20, and his dad would uh, wring his neck if he did anything more. And yeah. wanted to wring his neck after he did 20. So, so, but he's the quarterback. He, he, he's right. not supposed to get hit. He's supposed to just, you know. But, it, but Taylor was asked if he there. could get Crouch. Go feet first. Don't go shoulder first. Feet if first. it was his goal to get Crouch to go off the 60-foot cliff before the season, he's like, I don't think he's going to do that. So, <laughs> uh, so clearly Taylor's showing some guts there that not everybody on the team is going to. That it, takes cojones to do that. It does. So uh, he, he's, he's showing he's a little bit of a wild man. That, that gives you a little bit more of an idea of how he's sort of wired. But that's a – that's definitely an activity we haven't heard a lot of from uh, from Tennessee players in past years. And the last note I have from from today is, is I spoke a little bit with Daniel Batuli because we think about all the time, you know, he went to high school in Nashville, uh, but, you know, he was born in Congo, and mm-hmm. there are not a lot of college football players who were born in Africa. That's just not the yeah. transition that you see a lot. Normally guys there are playing soccer or something else uh, athletically, uh, but he was brought to the States as a kid and said that he takes a lot of pride on being someone who shows you what an immigrant can do. He, he, he was, now I don't want to say he was passionate about it, but he definitely made a point to say he was proud to say that, that, that he was from where he was from and his family was from where they were from uh, and that he's been trying to reach out to other guys because you got guys on the team from Canada, which is obviously basically a northern state more than it is its own country. Uh, but there are some guys on the team from other places and that he's tried to kind of help build a bridge for them uh, into that experience mm-hmm. and, and being in a new country. I thought that was interesting uh, because Tennessee's got a lot of guys who play other sports who are from other places too. And he said he's spoken with them too about the transition to everything. And I thought that was a really neat point. Cool, cool personal note for Daniel Batuli today. I walked into the main room and I see Alex Givens, his former Nashville Christian teammate, representing Ole Miss, yeah. an offensive lineman that Tennessee recruited. So here, here's his classmate at Tiny Nashville Tiny Christian. Tiny school. 350 or so students, I want to say, K through 12. Well, Batuli so, looked like he was 600 pounds playing against those he kids did. in high school. So two guys from a K through 12 unit school, Tiny School in Nashville, both at SEC Media Days that graduated in the same class there. I thought that was, that was pretty cool for him to and for that school, obviously, to have a couple guys here in the same year. Yeah, and I, I spent Gar- I spent most of my time with Garantano. He was in there for about thirty minutes. I thought there were only like twenty minute segments, but it was thirty minutes. Uh, and and there's you know there's riders covering other teams and asking you know their angled kind of you know Ton, tons of questions about hometown Al- angles. Tons uh, of questions about Alabama because of where we are. Right uh, yeah. And he, but there are a lot of questions about quarter other quarterbacks in the league. You know, he got to spend some time around a lot of those yep. guys at the, uh, at the Manning Pass. As far Academy. as name recognition, he's one of the bigger names yeah, here. He's gonna he's, get a lot of random sort of questions. Yeah, he's, he's you know good friends with Felipe Franks. Yeah. He, he had a really good story about um, kind of I think he and and uh, Tua Tagovailoa went to uh, some sort of camp or something when they were like in third or fourth grade. Uh, he was really impressed by that family when when Talia came in on a uh, on a visit that he mm-hmm. was with them. I guess he was hosting probably because that's you know the quarterback the quarterback connection there. Um, and, and one of the funny stories he told was uh, one night at the Manning Passing Academy, he went to Walmart with Kelly Bryant and Trevor Lawrence. So the two Clemson quarterbacks apparently are still friends, even though most people probably assume that oh they don't like each other. That they get voodoo. Yeah, Kelly Bryant's like one. mad that Lawrence took his job. Yeah. Apparently that's you know a lot of people would assume on the outside that there's like a little rivalry there or whatever, uh, but apparently not because uh, they were going to Walmart with Garantano to get some sheets that they didn't bring and some other stuff, some Gatorade because it was hot and they needed some. So yeah. uh, just hearing little stories like that was just you know 
It's kind of interesting to me. I don't know. Little yeah, things like that. I also got to hear uh, uh, basically Pruitt tried to put to bed the whole thing with, with Barry Odom in Missouri and the transferring players, and he tried to put all that to bed saying he had a conversation with Odom after Odom made his comments and that he thought they were both satisfied uh, with that conversation and they were moving on. He said that, that media made more of that than what it was. I don't know if I agree there. That was sort of a big thing that Odom came out and said. But I think they've put it to bed and they've tried to move on. So At the end of the day, it's, it's a coach trying to improve his program. I don't think another coach can fault him for that. It's He got he got caught up in the moment and probably was ticked off at the time like a lot of coaches would be. And the media happened to talk to him that day, and it's probably not a huge deal. Yeah, I think that, that that's a pretty good place to leave it. I think there was a lot of a lot of interesting stuff for today. Anything uh, else that either two of you two yahoos got from today? Nope, we're done. I think we're good. I think that's good. a good spot. Guys, thanks for tuning in. As always, you can find us at www.govols247.com, uh, the best source for Tennessee information on all of Al Gore's internets. You can go find all of us also on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown's P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And Grant Ramey, who doesn't want 24-7 in his name because that's how he rolls, is just Grant Ramey on Twitter. You can also go to facebook.com slash govols247, Grant and Pat, and all our national guys have done an outstanding job with our, with our Facebook page. We've done a lot of good stuff there. Go check that out if you want to. Uh, or, again, best place right now, GoVols247.com, 30% off annual subscriptions. we got a lot of good things going on right now. Come check us out. And if not, that says more about you than us. And I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to sound rude there. I'm, I'm, I'm just being real. Pat, you got any final thoughts? No. <laughs> <laughs>